Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. Corey, sometimes we all like to get paid. And <laughs> for some people, that payday <laughs> is coming up pretty soon and in a big way, right? Hey, Jared, did you get a raise? I, I wish it was me. How I, did, I, work? I didn't get a raise. What are we talking about? Today, that I work 72 hours in, in like a seven day period, 72, 24, 72 in four days or something. I don't know. They told me I work a lot um, and it's true, but let's not talk about us because it's not well, either of us. Our bank a- accounts aren't impacted, but there is some cryptic terminology after Penn state Pete Rutgers, 28 to nothing Saturday at Beaver stadium by, by the head football coach, James Franklin. And we don't know, look, for sure, we're recording this late Saturday night. We don't know for sure that all of this is going to happen. We're going to tell you what we know. The Board of Trustees, the, sub, the subcommittee on compensation, is going to meet on Tuesday. All right? Ben Jones from statecollege.com was the first one to find that out. I did check their website. There's no time listed for the subcommittee on compensation for their meeting. James Franklin will meet the media on Tuesday at 1230, as he always does. Here is the money line from James Franklin's post-game press conference uh, when he was asked if he would go on the record of saying that he's not going anywhere. And he said this. I thought something was going to happen a little bit sooner. Tuesday, we can talk about that as much as you guys want to talk about that. So the way I read into this, Jared, is that James Franklin and the school probably have some kind of agreement in place for a new contract. We can maybe get into some big, big details here in a second. And I'll ask Penn State fans if you want the coach to get a new contract, because it's not a given that every Penn State fan out there is completely 100% enamored with James Franklin coaching for Penn State, coaching Penn State for, say, oh, hmm, 10 years, wink, wink. All right. So, but he says he gets up to the quarterback club on Wednesday, says, I'm not going anywhere. But maybe he thought something was going to happen where this stuff would have been finalized maybe with the school. And so he could maybe mention it. Then Mel Tucker in the Michigan State news breaks. 
and now we've got the compensation committee meeting on to it sounds to me jared we can't we can't confirm this there's no way to know for sure it sounds to me like that a deal is in place the compensation committee has to approve it on tuesday and then we would expect to be able to ask james franklin about it at 12 30 on tuesday so that if you connect all the dots it seems like that's what's going to go down here connecting the dots is one of my favorite activities in first grade um now that <laughs> we're in uh adults but no it, it makes sense i mean i don't think james franklin was ever as much as i want to say that he was we were that he was seriously going somewhere let's be real penn state is a good spot for him mainly because of the lack of stress that it would take compared to usc or lsu the lsu won a national title within the last three years ed orgeron blew his chance there he's gone you know you look at the sec that's a cutthroat uh, co conference. But the, the big thing for me that sticks out here is that Mel Tucker got 10 years, $95 million. It's $9.5 million a year. Who has he beat? Michigan. I understand that that's not a directional Michigan. That's Michigan, the Wolverines. That's, their, that's the team that they had to beat every year. He beat them once. This is year two for Mel Tucker at Michigan State. James Franklin has beat Ohio State once, so that's kind of even, you know, with Mel Tucker. Now, he's also been there a, a heck of a lot longer. He's won a Big Ten championship. Where do you think, you know, is, let's say 10 years, where do you think this is going to fall as far as um, compensation goes? All right, so again, we're talking on a Saturday night. If people listen to this on a Wednesday, they could say, ah, you guys are idiots. You didn't know any of that stuff. We're connecting the dots here, all right? So... Um, James Franklin has four years left on his contract through 2025. He makes six million a year plus some incentives that get it up to around seven. Okay, so some people that I was talking to seem to think that the scuttlebutt is that Franklin's going to get a 10-year deal. All right, so and, and really even maybe more importantly than the money we're going to talk about that he's going to get is the details of the contract of what he wants from Penn State. That's what James Franklin has been beating around, not even beating around the bush, but just discussing frequently as of late. If I had to guess, I would say, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these words here, Jared. If I had to guess, I would say James Franklin is going to get a 10-year deal worth 80 to $85 million because – that's what his agent is hired to do to get the money. Mel Tucker got 95. But again, no matter what that money is, if it's 75, 80, 85, James Franklin is going to want ironclad assurances from the school. They're going to take care of this from a facility standpoint and that from a facility standpoint and this from an organization. He is going to want not just the dollar. Everybody's going to pay attention to the dollar figure on Franklin's. And again, if this comes into play, we don't know for sure, but, but if this comes into play, but what James Franklin is that's important to him is not necessarily just how much money he's making. He truly wants to win a national championship. And I do believe that he truly 100% feels Jared. He cannot win a national championship given the current level of commitment all around from Penn State, not just with his salary. So that's what we really want to ask James on Tuesday. 
if he gets a contract, if we get the terms, maybe we won't get the terms. I don't know. What assurances do you want specifically from the school? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is a commitment to facility upgrades, and they've done that with the Lash Football Complex, but it's so much more than just the Lash Football Building or, Halu- or Haluba Hall, right? Beaver Stadium is not an appeasing structure. The atmosphere inside the stadium is wonderful, right? They had 100, and I'm using quotation marks, and Corey can't see me because the light in my office burned out literally as we were beginning this podcast, but I'm using quotation marks and saying there are 106,000 people at Beaver Stadium to, uh, on Saturday afternoon, there were not. There might have been 75,000, 80,000 at the most. Uh, it was a cold day. It was Rutgers. Nobody was really excited about the game. But my thing is they, they talked about Beaver Stadium upgrades pre-COVID and making the outside of the structure actually look appeasing and appealing to people. And I think that's the biggest thing. But, I mean, you it's all about the haves and the have-nots when it comes to NCAA, uh, NCAA football, basketball, everything because it's about the facilities. It's about how can you pamper your athletes to keep them there and develop them as best as you can. When Bill O'Brien inherited this program, they were still using Smith machines. They were still, they were not using free weights. That's how archaic things were. Now, of course, things have gotten a lot better, a hell of a lot better by, by this time now compared to what it was when Bill O'Brien took over prior to, to James Franklin. So the biggest thing, facility upgrades, um, and, and then uh, if I'm Sandy Barber or if I'm Eric Barron, I'm, I'm going to sit there and say, James Franklin, hey, if we're going to pay you all this money and that's going to put him, you know, that's, again, up in the upper upper tier, um, you know, that's going to put him up in the top four highest paid coaches um, in in the country. I mean, you look at it, Nick Saban is top ten, uh, number one. Uh, Dabo Swinney is up there. David Shaw, Lincoln Riley, uh, Dan Mullen. And, oh, my God, there's some overpaid guys up there. Um, but you got to start putting the results on the field and you know what it, it's put up or shut up time with this contract. And I'm sure the buyout's going to be absolutely insane. Um, but I'm also saying too, if we're going to give you these upgrades, please quit <laughs> saying that you're going yeah, somewhere else. That's going to have to end immediately. I don't ever want to hear that again, but let, let's have the conversation here as we want, as we you know roll through this segment, Jared, because look, um, Penn State beat Rutgers. They've got Michigan State on Saturday this week. Michigan State just laid an egg against Ohio State. So that's a chance for Penn State to end the season with a nice road win against a team that's ranked Michigan State, although they'll take a big hit. But that would be a chance to go 8-4. and 8-4 and four probably gets you to the Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl probably gets you an Ole Miss or something in the SEC. That's a, good, that's a chance for another good. There's a chance to finish this season on a, on a, on a really positive note, 9-4, and four, would look a hell of a lot better than seven and five and going to the music city bowl and maybe not caring. But here's the thing, Jared and I, if you're going to give James Franklin a 10 million, a 10 year contract, um, is he worth that? Has he earned that? He's had a lot of success. There's no doubt about he turned Penn state football back into a, a nationally prominent program. I'll disagree with what you said earlier. I absolutely, one million percent believe he would have been interested in going to USC. I don't know about LSU, but maybe going to USC if the offer was right. I don't know that he even has an offer right now. USC, is USC willing to wait to see if James Franklin beats Michigan State to go seven and five or eight and four? I think USC has probably moved on. 
Now we don't know for sure how that goes. Well, these and I, these programs have to start making decisions quick. Well, USC is going to have to make a hire probably within a week of the season being. USC will have new, name a new head coach if I had to guess in about eight to ten days after yeah. the season's over. And so my guess is, you know, again, this is just a, a guess that there were probably a lot of negotiations between James Franklin's agent, Jimmy Sexton, and USC, maybe some with LSU. And at some point, maybe those schools just decided to move on. Now, it's also possible James Franklin decided to move on because simultaneously, this is how the game is played, his agent was having conversations with Penn State and saying, how much can you get James and how much can you get everything else lined up so that Penn State can compete with all the rest of these things. So I think this, I think this game has been being played for the last you know, number of weeks. If James ends up staying at Penn State and gets an eight, 10-year contract, I don't think it's a slam dunk that 100% of the fans out there are going to say, yay, James is not going anywhere. He's awesome, the greatest coach ever. I think James Franklin has slipped in the way he's viewed by a lot of Penn State fans this year. And I think next year could be a struggle, you know, depending on who the quarterback is and they're losing a lot of great talent. So if you're going to sign a guy to a 10-year deal and pay him 80-something million, if, if that indeed tells me that, you can't go out and lay an egg. Just ask Mel Tucker. I hope Mel Tucker at Michigan State Whoa. has signed that contract oh, already because they were down 49 to nothing at the half this week. And if you're oh. going to give a, a guy $95 million, I don't ever under any circumstance, hell, if you're playing the Dallas Cowboys, I don't want you to be down 49 to nothing at the half. No, and it was bad. We were watching the game because um, some people on this podcast decided they take the uh, take the Michigan State because they were uh, they were underdogs by nineteen and a half points. Um, obviously, some people should never gamble again. But you know, you look at the, I'm looking at the Big Ten salaries here, right? Uh, and this is as of October of this year. James Franklin, as of right now, is currently the highest paid Big Ten. Um, Big 10 football coach. Then comes Ryan Day at 6.6 million. Pat Fitzgerald at 5.7. Mel Tucker got 5.6. So he's now, where's hang on. Where's where's Harbaugh on that? I thought Harbaugh was making more than Franklin. I see the, the list that I'm looking at is on footballscoop.com, which is out of off of um USA Today's. But it's very possible. Um, it's very, very possible that they didn't that the University of Michigan didn't uh, report it. Yeah, I, I, I got eight million for Harbaugh. Um, for but yeah, you know, again, sometimes you see these from different places. But I'm I'm seeing Harbaugh at eight million. I thought he was high, higher paid than James. But and and that's the thing too is are these coaches worth it? Probably not, right? No, no, no coach is worth. Say Saban is, but I, I don't know that any coach. It's, again, Mel Tucker, you're getting ninety five million and you just got destroyed. And if you lose to Penn State, I mean, they're going to be eating crow in yeah. in Sparty yep. Land. Yep where they just, you know, they just announced that Tom Izzo's the name, the name of the football complex is after Tom Izzo. Um, and they've, they've announced all these, this money up there, the, the support that they're getting um, in Michigan state and East Lansing, but man, there are no results there. At least when Franklin gets his extensions, he's at least won something. Mel Tucker beat Michigan once, you know, uh, it's just so tough to validate some of these things. And, and I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to defend James Franklin, but in this situation, at least James Franklin has at least, uh, at least won something. Won a big 10 in 2016. Uh, had a good run in 2017, 18, 19, 2020 really changed a lot of things. And I think James Franklin can have a lot of success at Penn state, but this is, 
this is where we break things down is who's worth eight or nine million dollars a year Saban without a doubt yeah and and you know James Franklin I think has a, a lot of great characteristics as a college football coach primarily as a CEO he's a great representative of the school personally Jared I've dealt with James Franklin since he arrived as a media member I think he is top notch he is a pro he is uh respectful and a, pro, a professional with all of us in the me i don't want him to part selfishly i don't want him to go because he makes my job easier he makes all our jobs easier because he's a great guy to deal with but at the same time they were four and five last year they were ranked fourth in the country a month and a half ago then lost and three then, in a row and then, yeah and then lose four out of five so you know if you're gonna make this kind of commitment and let's point this out president eric Barron retiring after this year Sandy Barber has a little less than two years left. So now if she, and we, we think she'll probably, you know, retire. So now the next president at Penn state and the next athletic director at Penn state are going to inherit the most all powerful football coach making a massive amount of money and they won't have any power or their hands will be, you see what I'm getting? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. That can be an issue for administration. Yeah, and that's so tough because, you know, everybody wants their guy, right? You want to hire your guy, the guy that you trust, the guy that you want to bring up. And and when it comes to stuff like this, man, there are a lot of jobs in line. There are there is there are millions of dollars at stake. And and that's just not just football revenue, that's fundraising throughout the university, right? And, and a lot of those coaches like like Franklin are really good at fundraising. And that's that's that is a lot of the job now is you're, you're schmoozing donors. You're trying to get that money for your program, for the university. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it tough because that's why it's the CEO thing. The X's and O's that James Franklin spent time on are, are very minimal when it comes down to it because he's busy talking to donors, talking to administrators, you know, they have this meeting set up on Tuesday where it's, you know, the, the subcommittee, but when you're an aide, when you bring in a new AD and how many times do you see this throughout the country, right? where you bring in a new AD or a new president and they get rid of that old guy really quick. Um, just because, Hey, maybe they, maybe the ideals don't line up. Maybe, you know, something along those lines just doesn't add up, but Hey, good for James Franklin. If this happens good for Penn state stability is always good. But if I'm, if I'm a Penn state fan, I really, really just want to stop dealing with James Franklin saying, ah, I'm just not here to talk about it. We'll talk about it when we can. Um, and please, for the love of God, quit entertaining the idea well, of going elsewhere. And as we close this segment, we'll talk some more about the football game in, in the next segment. As we close this segment, if indeed, and again, we, we don't know for sure, if indeed he gets something anywhere close to a 10-year deal, James Franklin will have been at Penn State for 18 years at that point, or you know, could be. And he and he, there won't be any more talk about him going this, that, or the other place. It, he just can't. He won't. Uh, could he? Could he get fired during that time? Yeah, but hey, folks, I I always thought there were a handful of jobs that James Franklin would want, could want to leave Penn State for. Number one for me was always USC. Then there's Alabama and Clemson, but I don't think those are likely. And then you throw in maybe Florida. I think Florida could be likely. Uh, they're two and six in the SEC, but outside of those handful, you know, I don't think James is going to Texas. I don't think James is going to Notre Dame and there are other good jobs in college football. Not that maybe not would necessarily fit James Franklin. So outside, if USC and LSU were off the table, 
You know, Florida could happen in a few years. Who knows? I just don't see James going anywhere now. And that will please a lot of Penn State fans, Jared. But I bet you that there are a lot of Penn State fans out there that are going to be a little nervous and wanting to see James Franklin improve as a football coach and not have repeats like we saw in 2020 and this year. No, absolutely. And and speaking of nervous and speaking of results, let's talk about the game when we come back on the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network and the We Are Podcast. Corey, if you turned in, tuned into the game in the second half, you watched a really good football game and you watched Christian VU play. But if you sat through the first 29 minutes of that football game, you might just now be waking up. That Back. was brutal. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was rough for a while. But then VU comes in and, you know, hey, look, I give that kid a lot of credit. He looked really good. Uh, the numbers were good. Uh, Christian Bayou, uh, 15 of 24, 235, and three touchdowns. To me, Jared, I'll ask you this. Even more important than the numbers, maybe not more important, but just was the eye test. He yeah, looked absolutely like a college quarterback. He looked like he could, he could function in a, a pretty high level in the offense. What did you think? He was poised. He was great in the pocket. I know you and I – always talk during the games we sit Corey and I sit beside each other in the podcast we just really love each other's company a lot of the time so we sit next to each other and, and we communicate back and forth about what we see and at some points in the game and let's before we move on I think it's fair to say Penn State was riddled with illness there was an outbreak at Michigan uh with the flu and I and I don't know if there's if there's anything to to kind of really dive into here but Penn State Michigan played last week Penn State gets riddled with this illness they had about 35 guys sick this week a lot of them were big time players John Clifford they didn't have a they didn't have a scholarship quarterback practice um this week until Friday so they were riddled with illness it was like a triage unit they had IVs they had throw up it was it was just a sight to be seen according to a lot of the people that we talked to after the game but Veyu comes in and, and gets the job done, and he just looked poised. And like I said before, we were watching Sean Clifford, and, and he was skittish to an extent. I mean, and he's, you know, sometimes he, he's not as, as patient in the pocket as he could be, but he was running into different things, and he just was was really not comfortable um, from what we saw today. And then Christian VU comes in and, and, and just gets the job done. He, you know, he settles in nicely. He stays, steps up into the pocket, runs when he needs to, does not force things. And his deep balls, man, they looked super effortless. And some of the balls that he threw, you know, the Jahan Dotson touchdown was, was impressive. But the pass to Parker Washington, the back shoulder, a little, under, little bit of an underthrow, he's off balance, and he just puts it where a plate, the only place that his receiver can catch it. And, hey, that's just what the doctor ordered for Penn State. Yeah, I'll tell you. And, it, it, you know, it's a positive because Christian Bayou came in and did so well that it just makes you really shake your head and wonder why didn't they go with him at Iowa? Why didn't they go with him against Illinois? Now, Iowa was 
I got to look back at, at the at the date of Iowa. I mean, it's been a while. It's been, you know, a month and a half or, or so. I, Iowa was a while back. And James said he did get better. You know, he, he, he needed to get better. But I just wonder, could, could take one Roberson? They, they thought he gave them the best chance to win against Iowa. As we look back on it, uh, I mean, how, how could that have been possible? October 9th, so you're talking six weeks ago. How could it have been possible that Taquan Roberson, who looked completely dysfunctional as a quarterback, that offense looked dysfunctional, was Christian Bayou not in position to go out there and, and babysit that lead and hold on to a win there? Because that changes the season. And then couldn't Christian Bayou have played better than a 60% Sean Clifford against Illinois? And that changes the season. And so one or two things happen here. Either the coaches were just being loyal to take one Roberson and giving him the first crack because he's been there for three years. I think that's what happened. This notion that they kept saying it was obvious to everyone. James Franklin said, quote, obvious to everyone that Roberson gave them a better chance to win against Iowa. So either Christian Bayou became Superman over the last six weeks and improved the light years or the coaches made a bad decision and maybe just went with Roberson because out of loyalty. But I, all I know, look, that kid who played quarterback against Rutgers, Jared would have beaten Iowa and Illinois. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is Rutgers. This, they played Rutgers. Rutgers was held under 200 yards by the Penn State defense. The Penn State defense played incredibly well. They just played their game. They played really well. It was great defensively. They, you, it's so tough because as a coach, you want to be loyal to guys that stick it through. And James Franklin was very complimentary to take one Roberson. But when you have a true freshman, Christian Veyu hadn't played in t- since 2019. He lost his senior season to COVID. He's an early enrollee. He doesn't get a lot of time in, in, in spring camp, spring ball. But he comes in today and, and looks every bit the part of made him a highly touted guy. And, hey, listen, you know, could he have played against Iowa? Maybe. Could he have played against Illinois? Also possible. But again, we don't see what they do day after day after day. They don't see that. And, and what kind of struck me as is, is, is interesting is when James Franklin said the difference between the two never really grew. It never really, like, it, it, you would expect to take one Roberson as a third year guy in the system to, to be light years above. Right. And he but he never was. He and never he was. Wasn't. And that's what to me is so striking. If it was obvious to everyone that take one, they, they had take one for three years. Okay. I, I just don't necessarily buy this thing that it was obvious. I think they went with loyalty. I yeah, think 100%. they gave, I, the, think so I think they gave the next guy up the opportunity to lose the job and he lost the job. How and often? So, you know, look, and that, hey, maybe there's nothing wrong with. Could they have known that there would be eight false start penalties? No. Um, could they have known that things would have gotten out that far out of hand at, at Iowa? And it's Iowa. Kinnick Stadium's a difficult place, man. It's a mm-hmm. really tough place. But I, I'll tell you, I, I again, I just know that if that dude, if Christian Bayou that we saw against Rutgers plays in those other two games, they don't lose those other two games. I just, I just can't. This this guy functions at a pretty high level already yeah and let's be real how often under James Franklin has a has an incumbent guy as a guy that's come in as a freshman upstaged or or leaped 
over somebody or left over somebody in the on the depth chart. How often yeah, do you see happen. that? It never happens for James Franklin. So loyalty is a big factor, and I get that. I respect that. But you know, in this situation, that loyalty could have potentially cost Penn State its season. Now, on the flip side, now you're going into Michigan State. If Sean Clifford is still not healthy, um, because he did get fairly banged up in the in the short amount of time he was in the game. He does not, he did not be he was not protected very well um by the Penn State offensive line. Um, though Christian Vayu did a really good job of, of staying upright and, and staying healthy, but do you go with Fayou or do you go with Clifford? You, Cause this is a big part of the loyalty. I, I love this question because I do think that it's, it's, there's a lot to it. If Sean Clifford's health, no, look, and we, we wondered, did Sean Clifford come out because of the flu or did he come out because he got, because he got banged up and it seemed like, James made made the mention, you know, that he it wasn't working, so they pulled him. And he never he would have mentioned if it was an injury either. Yeah, he, he didn't. Right, he didn't reference anything about getting back. So I think it was just the flu. And so from that standpoint, I think that Sean is probably. And look, we've all had the flu or a bug. It's usually gone after five six days. My guess is he'll be he'll be fine by the time the Michigan State game rolls around. I, I, I the case I would make. And look, I, just for the record, Sean Clifford should start. He's a three-year starter. It could be his last college regular season game. I think it will be. Uh, he's done everything you've asked him to do. I think he deserves that opportunity to start. The case I would make for Veyu, Jared, would be, who's your quarterback going to be next year? Mm-hmm. Can you use Michigan State to find out more about what you've got with Christian Veyu? Because if, if you think Sean's going to leave, and James probably has a little bit of an idea, although maybe the final ultimate final decision maybe hasn't necessarily been made but if, if James thinks that that Clifford's gonna leave give they you a start see what he does and then that could help you determine how aggressive you need to be in the transfer portal because I don't think Drew Aller as a true freshman is going to be ready to start from week one next year could Drew Aller start as the season goes on and develop maybe like Bayou did sure it's possible but I, I don't want to turn over the job at Penn State to a, a, a true freshman in the season opener. Their schedule next year is extremely difficult right off the bat. All mm-hmm. right. So how aggressive do you want to be in the portal? Could you could you use Veyu to find out a little bit against Michigan State? Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's you know I think that's a good way to look at it because this is an evaluation period. Penn State's clinched a bowl game. Um, you're going to get that extra month of preparation too. You're going to get bowl prep. So that's going to be that's going to mean some more reps, and I mean your your objective. There's money on the line here for players and coaches. I would expect uh, for bowl games. Um, now that players can make money off of their images and likenesses, because say Sean Clifford goes to the Outback Bowl. Hey, they want to advertise with him. They can use him in promotions now, uh, if they so choose. Uh, Bloom and onions for everybody. If Sean Clifford scores a rushing touchdown, don't quote me on that. But you know, no rules, just right there in Aussie land. Um, but, you know, that's one of those situations now that there's a lot at stake for these bowl games, but you get that extra month of preparation. And if you give Sean Clifford an extra week to heal, he's been banged up this year. It's, that's no secret to anybody. Um, so, yeah, get, give Veyu, and maybe you give him an option and see what he can do as, in a start against a team that's going to be ranked. I would say that they're probably going to be ranked in the top 15. I think that losing by 49 or 48 or whatever they lost by today will banish them to 
below the top 10. I, I would imagine that would kick them significantly out. No, but the flip side is you got to win this game. This is right. a huge game. And you, I, I do think Clifford, a healthy, fully healthy Clifford, probably gives them a better chance to win than a, a Christian Bayou. Okay? Now, I will say this. On the flip side, though, when coming into this game, if Sean Clifford goes out, there was zero confidence in what was behind yeah. him. Now Bingo. that's changed. Now you do feel better. And look, Michigan State's pass defense is atrocious. C.J. Stroud threw for 1,400 yards against him Saturday. And 1,200 of that was in the first half. I mean, it was ridiculous, okay? The guy completed like 32 out of 35 passes. It's just insane. All right, so, you know, but, but again, Penn State's got to win that game. Mm-hmm. It's a big game. You, you, go, you go with Clifford. I would not at all be opposed to giving – Christian Bayou, two or three meaningful series in that game, again, as this development and evaluation mm-hmm. period. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you can get – if you can go in there and see what Clifford can do. I mean, the biggest thing is he's got to be healthy. And if he's not healthy, now at least you have that sigh of relief. Okay, well, Bayou, even though it was Rutgers, this is Rutgers. And, 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 and they're a pretty good defensive team typically under Greg Schiano, But – it's still Rutgers, right? They're the they're they're the armpit of the Big Ten. They are also from New Jersey, so they're the armpit of a lot of things. But let's be perfectly honest here. I I feel much more confident if I'm a Penn State fan going into Michigan, knowing, hey, you know what? We might actually have a little bit of a future here in our quarterback in Christian Veyu. Um, now maybe we don't need to go to the portal next year. Well, again, I, I think they're going to need to go to the portal to get some somebody of depth but the question is becomes if Clifford's back well you're not really going to be able to get anybody from the portal no who's going to kind of want to come in and come and know that he's going to sit behind a fourth year starting quarterback if, if Christian if, if did I say Christian? I mean Clifford if Clifford is, is back but mm-hmm. if Clifford's not back your your odds your options are an experienced guy from the portal Christian Bayou or maybe Drew Allen Again, don't I don't forget about go, Mason Stahl. Let's not I don't, forget I don't, about people, Mason Stahl. People are getting on me for never including Bo Prabula and in, in all this. It's not a knock on Bo. I just don't think that's going to happen. So right, again, you, you just don't have enough experience. I mean, right. I, so if 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 Christian Bayou comes back next year and he's got some, now you bring in a guy from the portal and you say, Christian, you're going to chat, you're going to compete with this guy for the starting job. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I'm very interested to see how this offseason plays out because I think. I don't think Sean Clifford should come back to Penn State. That's not knocking Sean Clifford. I think it's just time to move on. Sometimes, you know, marriages are are meant to to end. And and I think, you know, he's done all that he can. He's a three-year starter. Uh, he's won a lot of football games for Penn State. Um, and and they're going to go out and, and try to go out on top. And I, I don't know whether that means he's going to go pro or whether that means he's going to exhaust that other eligib- that last year of eligibility. But you know what? It's – the youth movement was served today. They they were up front. Up front, they were pretty young. They they had uh, Efner. They had um, Landon Tangwall got some action today. Juice Scruggs uh, was a little bit banged up, but he played center. Uh, Caden Wallace. The the offensive front looked good, um, especially with Veyu in the game. They looked better. Ran for 149 yards, and he threw the ball well. There was a lot to like about this. In uh, and, and the next segment, we'll look ahead to next week and around the country. But maybe, maybe you catch Michigan State reeling here and, and, and licking their wounds. And uh, who knows? Maybe you catch them at a real good time after they got thumped by Ohio State. 
That's right, and we're going to have a real good time here in the third segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network when we come back right after this quick message from our sponsors. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. For the entirety of this podcast, he's been Corey Geiger. I've been Jared Prugar. Corey, Penn State and Michigan State are playing for the most prestigious trophy in all of sports next week, the Land Grant Trophy. If you've ever seen the Land Grant Trophy, I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry. It's it's just so awfully ugly, but it's so prestigious, right? You know, you got these land grant institutions in Penn State and Michigan State. Why not literally slap a bunch of hodgepodge random things on said um, on said trophy and present it to Hey, here's the winner. Um, the uh, the late George Perlis, really good man, uh, coached at, at Michigan State. He and Joe Paterno worked out this. Michigan State game. George Perlis, also an assistant coach for the Steelers on those uh, Super Bowl teams in the 70s. So there's a lot of maybe a lot of uh, Pittsburgh folks who, well, George Perlis uh, designed the Land Grant Trophy a number of years ago. He and he died in 2020, last January. A number of years ago, I reached out to George and did a story on him, and uh, uh, he 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 didn't not that he was proud, Jared, of the Land Grant Trophy. But he was proud of the Michigan State-Penn State series being renewed. And I do think uh, I, I like this series. Mm-hmm. We're always going to have Michigan-Ohio State be the marquee, you know, game for the final, you know, weekend of, of the Big Ten schedule. I like Penn State having a set team at the end of the year. Penn State-Michigan State is a – it's usually a good game. There's usually something riding on the game. Maybe not a ton, but Michigan State's been good for the last – you know, good number of years. And so there's, there's a lot riding on this game for both of these programs. And I just think it's become a pretty, I think it's become a pretty good rivalry. It'll never be Ohio state, Michigan state, but, and it'll never be, you know, the old Penn state pit from the seventies and eighties. But this is, this is a game I do kind of look forward to because there have been some quirky things going on in these games over the years. (laughs) Well, yeah. What was it? Two or three years ago. There was a there was a lightning delay that was yep. three hours long. Oh, that was brutal, brutal. Yeah. We were there, Lansing. Um, oh, I remember covering that game from home before covering remote was cool. But it was just, you know, the, I think it's good to have this type of situation at the end of the season. I I really liked Champions Week last year for the the Big Ten did. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a really unique spin on it uh, on on what was a weird and bizarre season. Of course, Penn State got Illinois, and, and Penn State was on a roll at that point in time. But, yeah, I mean, listen, we, we joke about the Lancaster Trophy, but it, it, it's something to play for. It's it's a, it's a pride, right? And you know what? It's good for good for the university. Well, it means something, too. I mean, Michigan, yeah, State's right. sitting, here, Michigan State's sitting here. This, is, this got, means a lot. It's because, a huge game for Michigan State. That's the Rose Bowl, okay? Yeah. And, and so uh, because, it, it means – yeah, go ahead. It means a lot to Penn State as well. Right. And, and, you know, this is big for Michigan state because Michigan and Michigan state, if, if I'm, I'm guessing that Ohio state is going to beat um, is going to beat yeah. Michigan. And I think they're going to beat them r- rather easily to be perfectly honest with you. 
Um, I've watched all three teams. I've watched Ohio State and Michigan play. Ohio State is just absolutely on another level uh, at this point. Ryan Day really has them going and clicking really well. But I think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. They're going to beat them so bad that Ohio, the state of Ohio is actually going to remember to say the letter M after next week. Um, but if, if Michigan loses, they're seven and two, if Michigan state wins, they're seven and two, but if Penn state wins, mm-hmm. Michigan state is six and three, that's the difference between the Rose bowl and, and, and say, and, and the other another, goes the, a lower tier ball. Bowl. Well, the citrus bowl, which is still good, but it's not You're the right. Rose bowl. And then Penn state, uh, you know, conceivably, conceivably, I'm looking over all the standings here, just to get Wisconsin six and two, Iowa six and two, uh, the, the Citrus Bowl would go to either Michigan or Michigan State. And then you got all these teams. I, I guess Wisconsin and Iowa could be in line for the, the Outback Bowl. And maybe that's still – even if Penn State's eight and four, maybe that still pushes them down to the Music City Bowl because, uh, again, if they beat Michigan State, they, would, they won't get as much of a bump from it as they no. would have if Michigan State, say, would have played a competitive game against Ohio State. Yeah, right. I, I mean, the fact – I. <laughs> Here I am. I'm, I'm analyzing. I'm looking at. I'm looking at my betting slip yesterday. I'm like, you know what? Michigan State's 19 and a half point underdogs. I, I like Michigan State. I think they have the best running back in the country. Um, he had 30 yards rushing. Yeah. Um, so if you ever want betting advice and what not to do, <laughs> please come see me. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen. This is a. There's a lot on the line here. Not just you know standings wise, but for 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 going into that bowl prep with some momentum. And if you can go ahead and do that, you know, that's really good for Penn state moving forward because, Hey, you get to that bowl prep, you, you get to the bowl game and, and you maybe get a win there. You, you finish out the recruiting cycle, um, get those guys signed, get them into campus early and rule. We get ready for spring ball and get back and, and do this all over again. And, you know, it, it starts this week and whether that's with VU, um, in the, um, under center or, however you want to say it, or, or Sean Clifford with his last ride, the last few games here, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, after today, it's a lot more interesting, I guess I should say, um, as we gear, as we slow down here at the end of the season. Well, I'll tell you, Oregon just got destroyed by Utah 38 to seven. So that, that is tremendous news for Cincinnati um, because Mm -hmm. You know, you, you got to figure it's going to be – well, look, the Alabama question is still out there. If Georgia beats Alabama, and which I think they will, you know, could a two-loss Alabama team still get in? So, you're going to have Georgia. You're going to have Ohio State. There's two. Mm-hmm. With Oregon losing, that is that is phenomenal for Cincinnati. They're number five in the playoff. Yeah. you got to think that as long as Cincinnati doesn't just absolutely blow it, that Cincinnati is going to be in the playoff now because you're going to have Georgia, mm-hmm. Ohio State, Cincinnati, and, you know, maybe either a two-loss Alabama or uh, – A two-loss Alabama. <laughs> everybody else has got a loss. You know, it would come down yeah. to – it would come down to uh, uh, Notre Dame. Oklahoma uh, State is Oklahoma up there. State is nine and one or ten and one now. And let's not forget Oklahoma either. Lo- yeah, they're on looking, the outside looking in, but I mean they're they're winning Oklahoma by the skin of their not, teeth. They just I don't think they're any good, but yes. It, it, look, at the more I'm looking at this, 
it's almost going to be – unless Michigan beats Ohio State, which, again, I just don't think – I think a two-loss Alabama probably gets in. Just because if you just look at it, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and then your other choices are Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. I, I mean, I, I think – Worst Alabama's case scenario better. happened for the ACC today, and I'm not even saying anything about Pitt because I think Pitt winning the ACC Coastal is great for that program and Pat yeah. Narduzzi and those guys. But Clemson beats Wake Forest, and not only do they beat Wake Forest, they yeah. beat them by 21. Yeah, bad. Um, so, that's probably yeah. the worst case scenario that they have mainly because now Wake Forest is going to get bounced from the top 10. They're probably going to be in that 15 to 18 range with Pitt probably around the same area. Um, you know, it, it's just – and we still have conference championships, you know. So that's – I think that's going to be the telltale sign here. I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten championship. I think – I honestly think right now Georgia and Ohio State are the two best teams in the country. Um, you know, I, I've been on the fence about Alabama. I, I think they're really good. Uh, but the way Ohio they barely State, beat Arkansas today. Yeah, I mean seven. Ohio State's winning and with winning with authority. I think uh, I, I think Ohio State's number two. I think yeah. Ohio State probably you know I think Ohio State could very well jump Alabama and go to number two in the playoff rankings, and that's important. That's mm-hmm. important because oh well, it, they would jump Oregon anyway, and the two would yeah, play. Right. You don't you don't want to play Georgia. You don't want to play Georgia no, in right. my final. And so what's what'll be very interesting, Jared, is that SEC championship game. If if if, Al- if Georgia wins, how close is Alabama? Is it mm-hmm. a seventeen point game? Well, then probably Alabama could play its way out. If it's a ten point game or less, and we know how good Georgia is, then yeah, Alabama's probably in. But the problem with that would be this: could you could you conceive? Yeah, I guess you'd still put Alabama three above Cincinnati, maybe, and then that way you wouldn't have a Georgia Alabama. Uh, repeat in the semifinals in a one, four game. If you How about this for pure chaos, Corey, what happens if Michigan wins? Well, now we got a big, big problem. Although no, I, I think Michigan probably just replaces Ohio state in this whole discussion and Ohio state, then Ohio state would be out. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And I mean, just kind of looking at the big 10 standings and, and looking at some, uh, some different things here. Um, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be depending the, the results this weekend. It's going to be, well, Wisconsin and Iowa are tied at six and two. Um, Wisconsin and Minnesota play. Minnesota's having a low key, okay year. They're seven and three. Uh, Wisconsin has the, the upper hand over Iowa from when Iowa was broken after Penn State. Um, so that's a plus in the, as far as tiebreakers go. So I would expect, you know, it's probably going to be Ohio State and Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Big 12 championship, I think, is a lot trickier. Um, you know, who Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are, are going to be those two. And I think they play this week, if I'm not mistaken. They have to, right? Yeah, Bedlam, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be the – that's essentially going to be for the Big, Ten, Big 12 championship. Um, so, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be – you know, if, if Bedlam happens and pure chaos is going to ensue, it's at um, OK State – but I'm interested to see how that goes as far as rankings go, because if Oklahoma finally gets a big time win, a legitimate win, um, they're back in the top 10. I don't, they're not, they're not a top four team. Yeah. Not, I'm they're s- not in playoff. Cause again, Oklahoma state, you know, that's a, that's a good win, but uh, well, there's just a, what's interesting is, you know, this is a week to week kind of thing. And, 
Oregon's got to be feeling really good about itself. And then all of a sudden you just get absolutely destroyed. Uh, but boy, I mean, it, it's fun talking about all this and letting it play out on the field. You know, uh, it was a, it was a joke that the committee ranked Michigan ahead of Michigan state right after Michigan state had won, but Michigan state laid an egg and let played itself out. The, Ultimately, over 12 games, these teams will, will generally know because even the ones we think might be great or not, we'll find out. It'll determine itself on the field. Yeah, and I think that's really why we're, we're here for this. Now, I'm just looking ahead. Um, you know, the American football, the American Athletic Conference, I think, is the most intriguing here because you've got an undefeated Cincinnati team that's seven and zero in their conference. They are undefeated. They're eleven and zero. Houston is ten and one overall, but they're eight and zero in the conference. That I think, you know, what if what if Cincinnati doesn't win their division? Let's see. I'm looking at. It, it looks like they don't have divisions in that league. I think they're not their I division. Think, but what if they don't win their conference? Yeah, I think they take the top two for the, yeah. So they play in the championship game. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, that 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 would be really, really bad. That would be really, really, really bad for the American Athletic Conference and for all other non-major conferences of college football. Seriously, this is the chance. This is the chance. This is yeah. Cincinnati's chance. This is the smaller conference's chance. And if Houston goes out there and beats Cincinnati, uh, man, I – I, I I just I would feel for every what would happen. What would UCF happen to the playoff? You would have to take two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams, right? Or does it? Or does a two-loss Oregon get in? Or would you take a two-loss Michigan team that you know, like that? That would that be the worst. Be, that that would be the worst be case scenario. An Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, or Notre Dame. Notre Dame is still out there. Yeah, we always yeah. forget about Notre Dame because they're not playing in a championship. Yeah, they're not in leagues, and so yeah, they've only lost the one game. They're still out there, and I'm trying to see what's and their and their loss was to Cincinnati, so there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that loss. They've got Stanford left, so Notre, Notre Dame would be the if Cincinnati were to, to lose, Notre Dame would probably be that next team in. Yeah, and there's and listen, this is the this is going to be the craziest week of the year. You know, it's rivalry week in a lot of conferences, so it's going to be interesting to see um, see what happens here. But until then, this has been the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Thank you as always for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next week after Penn State plays Michigan State for the prestigious Land Grant Trophy. <laughs>